Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we discuss two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, uh-huh. beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times, ugh, I messed that up. And other I don't times, know what you're alluding to, that I normally mess up the intro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And other times, giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I'm here as always with Joe Hilliard. And we got our good friend and remote uh, fellow podcast host here with us. I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, it's Sean McClain here again, always with the good sound quality. You are sounding good. Sound quality is nice for Zoom. It's not a bad thing. Okay. Yeah. Usually I'm recording from my car or mm-hmm. the restroom a train, the, in a no, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in a casket that's been buried six feet in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've done a number <laughs> of experimental episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is exciting. It is all horror October, but gosh darn it. Martin Scorsese <laughs> just released a new film. That uh, I got really excited about as that marketing rolled out uh, with that metallic taste of Irishman all in my mouth. <laughs> uh, so we we had to that jump CGI on. We could taste. not wait two weeks to do. No way. Everyone's talking about this movie. But we're going to do it. Uh, just one movie today. One beer. And so let's get that beer in our glass, David. I know you're not going to care because it's a Kolsch. Yay. That's one of your favorites. Crisp, delicate, and perfectly drinkable. This hybrid style of beer walks the line between an ale and a lager. This is on Real Ale Brewing's website. They make the beer that we're enjoying today. It's called Cruiser. Fermentation at the lower temperature range for ale yeast creates a slightly dry, bright finish, void of the more fruity esters typically associated with an ale yeast. Crack one open, lean your head back, and set the cruise control, which is what we intend on doing. <laughs> 4.5. Sean, did you have anything to enjoy with us today? I've got a uh, real ale, fresh kicks. Very nice. Which, oh, look at that. which I feel like I maybe stole from you the last time I saw you. That sounds about right. Uh, okay. When Sean comes into town, I will often give him two or mm-hmm. three beers that are beer and a movie leftovers. Although we have we have we have done the real kicks. I think yeah, I we, did it on did one of those kicks, yeah. COVID uh, fresh kicks. Uh, yeah. One of those COVID. We were all in a different place episode. I think you're a right. Couple of years ago, I remember doing it. Yeah. Okay, so let's get this Kolsch in our glass. Absolutely. I know that uh, David. I mean, anyone that listens for any period of time knows that you're our logger boy. Yeah, well, I am, and th- and this one straddling the line, I still am totally happy to be drinking. Oh, it smells like and, a Kolsch. And and this is definitely a beer that I have uh, enjoyed already be- before the these cans that we're having right now. But very clear, very translucent, nice and crispy. Um, what what was it? Four and a half percent. Oh, yeah. I I love living in that space. It's 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 one that I can really spend three and a half hours in if I want to. And since we're talking about real ale, Sean, that fresh kicks that you've got comes as part of a mixed twelve pack that they do with four different IPAs, and that is one of my favorites. So I hope that you're enjoying that wherever you are, be it a well or any other kind of um. <laughs> horrible sound making location (laughs) (laughs) so uh this 2023 martin scorsese film uh comes to us as an adaptation of a non-fiction book written uh, under the same name killers of the flower moon though the book did have a subtitle to it the osage murders and the birth of the fbi um which which i had actually read a few years back 
shortly after it was released, um, found very compelling. It captures or, 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 or retells the story of this series of murders that was going on in Oklahoma among the Osage population who were an incredibly wealthy group of Native Americans mm -hmm. because they had been forced onto this land that seemed barren and, and really sort of useless at the time until oil was found there. Nice. Uh, and once oil was discovered there and the wells started working, those people who owned that land, these Osage people, became very wealthy indeed and became the subject of of much... Uh, so guess what the white people did. <laughs> much curiosity. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then shortly after started being murdered in, in great numbers. And this all went by without much investigation until... A very early version of the FBI is just being called the Bureau of Investigations, but at the federal level and headed by J. Edgar Hoover, who came to be known as sort of the, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the father of the FBI or right. whatever, got into investigating it and actually kind of broke open the case and revealed that uh, a number of white folks were sort of infiltrating the community and doing their best to pull as many of the head rights for that land as they possibly could to themselves. And not even a dumb scheme, unless you're going to get caught. And that is that white men, because the well, head dumb only in the sense that it was so easy to get away with that they didn't even feel the need to cover their tracks. Also so transparent. Like, yeah. All yes. the white, uh, white guys start dating and marrying Osage women because the inheritance rights of the oil money go through the feet the the well they go through the, the families and and the family that the film focuses on um the 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 Kyle family that that has uh Molly is is the main mm -hmm. female character who we get in this film who who gets involved with Ernest Burkhart character played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. So the the patriarch of that family has died referred to in the film a little bit like uh the uncle of Ernest Burkhart, the character played by Leonardo DiCaprio, King. Ernest Burkhart, William. <laughs> right. I, well, I'm, I'm laughing because of the, like calling this guy King, William King Hale. Yeah. Um, you know, the Robert De Niro character called had the been, King ha, had known and, and had positioned himself as a friend to the Osage. Right. right? He was a cattle rancher. Um, and, and and he presented himself very much as a friend and had been friends with the family of Molly. And it's her mother who survived, Lizzie, and the, the four daughters that she had at the time who kind of held the family's rights right. to that land, which was a significant claim within that. Mm -hmm. I, like you say, Joe, w once those men start marrying these women and these women start mysteriously passing away <laughs> or being murdered – um, then the rights fall to their husbands. Yeah. What was the terminology of the quote unquote disease that was killing? Uh, Wait, wasting. They kept calling it a wasting disease, but they never named what it what it was. Right. They just right. So Leonardo DiCaprio, now married into this family, has got a very large struggle of being loyal to King Robert De Niro, who has placed him there basically to secure these oil rights as right. these women die off. And then his wife, who he loves, question mark? What a movie. I mean, yeah. what a yeah. bunch of... Let's start with the acting. I mean, mm -hmm. did you find a flaw? Yeah, I thought it was impeccable across the board. Robert De Niro, 
loves playing this character. Leonardo DiCaprio wearing a uh, some dentures, some kind of tooth thing to make his teeth <laughs> messed look up. Bad. Teeth, yeah. Uses that denture. I, I think I can see it happening a couple of times. He's got this thing in his mouth, but he uses it to twist his mouth into crazy ways throughout the entire, or rather, maybe he's twisting his mouth to hide the notion that he's whatever it is. Well, I also I, I think some really interesting uh, stuff going on. And I don't know if it's makeup or if it's just that Leonardo DiCaprio is aged, mm -hmm. but like lines in his face mm -hmm. and stuff that I don't remember ever seeing in Leonardo DiCaprio. There were shots in this film where I was like, that almost doesn't look like Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. right? He's almost towards the end. He's almost unrecognizable when he's being interrogated and and it's, it's very uncanny. It does not, it does not look like him. I'm not sure what they did. Uh, obviously, yeah. they had the prosthetics and everything, but he does not look like himself. Uh, he's aged tremendously in a short period of time in the film. Three and a half hours. But the reason why I never felt it was because Martin Scorsese, who I love, we've talked about Goodfellas on the show. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies mm -hmm. of all time, and we could go through his chronology. We don't even need to because everyone knows it. Seems to pull every trick out of his bag for this film there is a long shot uh reminiscent of the copacabana shot in goodfellas very well known it just goes on and on through the home during a funeral and i am elbowing my my buddy roland who's been a guest on the show he's doing the long shot he's doing he did two or three long there's a few shots. yeah mm -hmm. he does a dolly shot or two that just i i, I can see some of these tricks but I don't mind seeing them because they're, well, they're so also beautifully, beautifully executed. choreographed. Yeah. I mean, like he uses them like he did with the Copacabana shot in Goodfellas to kind of immerse you in these spaces mm -hmm. and these time periods. Right. I mean, Goodfellas, that was evoking that. What was it? 1960s era mm -hmm. Copacabana. This like how wonderful it would have been to yeah. have been how part of an organized crime. That there's this like, you know, sort of bustling nightlife and the mm -hmm. Here, you know, you have when he arrives, when when he Ernest, uh, the DiCaprio character, arrives in Osage Country on the train, and he's coming off the train, and you're just surrounded by the tumult of, you know, the oil companies say, "If you're here to work for Shell, come this way," you know, and and that that sort mm. of stuff going on while people are kind of calling other, and it's all just a continuous long take, like you say, and you're and you're kind of taking in the entire crowd, and by being wedded to the camera, like moving through the crowd, like you're actually somebody in there, and you're having to like kind of muscle your way through. Um, you get it again when they're in the town and there's, a, you know, so that there's all these moments that kind of just immerse you in the activity of those that bring those moments, these historical moments that when I was reading the book version of this. OK, it, there was a clinical it, it was sort of like, oh, that happened then this happened. Then. But like putting you right in the moment and making you feel what it must have been like to show up in this part of the country that's bustling and is exploding in a way like it had gone from this sleepy outpost that they were shoving Indians they that money. they were shoving Native Americans onto mm -hmm. to get rid of them and thinking go to this wasteland that nobody even cares about and suddenly there's money to be made and now there's life now there's activity and what happens in that kind of situation for me it was almost an overwhelming experience because I went into this David you mentioned you read the book I started yeah. to read the book but it was only a few months ago read Right. 
<laughs> I, and when I say read, I mean listen, because I'm an English major who's lost the ability to read book, actual text. But um, I didn't read it ahead of time because I was so close to the movie coming out. Yeah. I got a little, a couple of chapters in, and I said, you know what? I, I'm just going to go into this one cold. I, I didn't know the story at all other than mm. just what had been in you know, press releases, things like that. I had no back knowledge about this period. I mean, like this specific thing that was happening with Osage, which really made an interesting movie going experience because when you go into uh, a Martin Scorsese film, you kind of, or, or most films for that matter, you kind of know who you're supposed to be, who the anchor is, who you're supposed to be following. And what I didn't realize was, oh, the, the people we're going to spend the most time with are absolute villains, evil. And, <laughs> and yeah. so that might sound kind of weird coming from a, you, you know, you, you look at good fellas, for instance, they're all bad guys, but there's, but it's a different thing We're we're kind of rooting for those bad guys. They're, they're charming. They're, they're quirky. They're exciting. In this case, we're spending a lot, an uncomfortable amount of time with quite a few very despicable people and it, it's it's jarring i mean it's a jarring experience i went and see, see it with my son who's 18 who actually is a, a pretty big martin scorsese fan and we both went into it i think when we were driving to see it he said what is this movie even about and i said oh wow you're gonna have an even crazier experience than me <laughs> going into it and and he loved it too i mean I've struggled with how to describe it to people who've said, oh, do I need to go see this movie? I said, yes, you need to go see this movie. Is it good? Oh, it's great. So I'm going to have a good time. I'm like, I don't know if you're going to have a good time. I mean, it's very, ups <laughs> it's very upsetting. Uh, he actually, my son actually had to leave a, a couple of moments after there's a couple of scenes that just bothered him so much. He had to like step out for a few minutes to recenter himself and everything because it's very upsetting. It's one of the most upsetting films mm. that I've ever seen that I can remember. Their their plans are so transparent to everybody, but I mean, what they're doing is just pure awful. I mean, killing his. I mean, he's killing his uh, wife. His but they're looking at but his but wife, and I think that's what you know, like the shocking thing. And reading the novel, it was there, or novel the the mm -hmm. the book, it was there. But seeing it depicted like this time where it was just accepted that indigenous people are sub are sub. Right. right. They were like from the very get go. And this was something I went with. I went with a friend who hadn't read the book and we were talking a little after. And and as I was talking to him, like, oh, I felt bad how much he had to compress, especially in the beginning, because there's a lot that the the book kind of fleshes out about like what the sort of legal status of these people were and why they were treated the way they were. But it's just like sort of, you know, put out there. They are on their, like just in the way they exist, rendered incompetent. Mm -hmm. They are seen as mm -hmm. incompetent. They are unable to take care of their like own affairs. Like three-fifths of a man kind yes. of talk. Yeah, right. And it is just, a le it's legal. It is coded in law they can't have access to their own money they have to have white caretakers who will allot them the money that they 
can have yeah. for whatever the expenditure is they want. The, the woman, uh, you know, Molly gets mm-hmm. questioned for how much her mother has spent on meat that week. Right. That's, that she spent right. $300 was a little high. That's a, yes. There's so much economical filmmaking, though, I think in lieu maybe of the depth yeah. that you're talking yeah. about in the book in that first half hour where you're kind of setting up the universe yeah. that we're going to see. Uh, there is, I think, I think it's a voiceover narration that's talking about how the Native American, the, the Osage, are dying, and there's a scene there with are sickly a, people. With a, there are sickly people. So there's a man who is has a bottle of whiskey or something on the floor. the 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 shot is from the ceiling down, and he's having a seizure. He's foaming at the mouth, and then cut to him in his funeral bed, gray skin. He's obviously yeah. dead cut to another girl in her funeral bed, cut to another girl in her funeral bed, cut to a a Native American woman, Osage woman, pushing a pram with a baby in it who is suddenly shot in the head. Mm -hmm. White man comes out, puts the gun in her hand. That one's ruled a suicide. They take the baby and take it somewhere. Yeah. I loved that economic storytelling. Mm. They are dying. Here they are in their funeral beds, but here's the reason why they're dying at the hands of Mm. people that want them gone to get at that money. The other way that he solves the exposition problem in the beginning, and I didn't know that the Osage had found oil. I didn't know that they're walking around in furs and jewels because they've got so much disposable income. The way he presents that is in an old black and white reel of... What I'm hoping is some authentic footage, but in the meantime, maybe he duplicated the footage Yeah, to show you that in this universe, you've got fresh off the war, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's coming in to make fresh some World War One, right? Yeah. To mm. come to come into this area to make money. Luckily, his uncle is the king who <laughs> lays the plan out for us. Yeah. And he's like, OK, yeah, whatever. So then he right. courts. Molly, right, marries Molly. And, and I said, does he love her? Question mark. I think that he does. I, I there's at some point in the film he realizes he's either in over his head when it comes to the you're actually going to kill mm-hmm. her, but at the end of the day, he always succumbs to King's very eloquent way of convincing him to do these evils. Yeah. And I it, that came across reading the book too, honestly. Like that Ernest. To have done what he did had to have on some level had some actual genuine interest in Molly, love, perhaps, whatever that is. You know, like, I mean, I think part of what this film does and what this story does is reveal to us the complexities of human emotion and the way that, yes, he could have this love with this woman, but then also feel this loyalty to this uncle. Well, I love money. I love money. I love that's true. He says it five times in the movie. The love of money is absolutely there. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I think that it, there's it's almost comic on a certain level, but I but I think it was accurate <laughs> in that, you know, Ernest, like in that poker game, like early on where he, you know, he's putting it all in and like, I just love money. So well, now they go grave robbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it, it is custom for the Osage people to be buried in their jewels. Yeah. And then we see a scene where grave robbers are going in shortly after the funeral 
to steal the jewels and they know the funeral. Uh, yeah. Ernest and his brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then he takes it to a poker game. Yeah. I got a 10. Right. I got a queen loses all the money. Yeah. I mean, I think underscoring that like, okay, this greed is so rampant. Like they don't even think about what they're doing. It's, it's all being kind of driven by this love of the almighty dollar. At one point too, when King puts on a uh, life insurance policy <laughs> on, on Henry Roan. Oh, and he's yeah. even advised, hey, this is really obvious what you're doing here. And then later on, he's burning his fields after he had just taken in. I think the FBI agents are talking about, yeah, I just sold him a, a fire policy on yeah. his fields. And first thing he does is he burns them up. It's staggering how I don't know if it's dumb. It's just they, they just don't feel any sense well, that there's well, going to be any no, consequences. Well, there's, there's, there's no, no consequences. News, there's no news yeah. stations. There's no Internet. There's no. Well, I mean, until there's a federal bureau of investigation. Yeah, but they're communicating through telegram. I mean, that's right, the error that but, we're talking but, about until Molly. Yeah. Uses some of her oil money to. Mm -hmm send feelers to washington to say come help us we yeah. are being murdered right and then here comes jesse plemons in his most jesse plemons role yet if i may i don't know I, th I feel like the most jesse plemons roles are the ones that uh, reveal like a certain sinister quality underneath you don't get that here I, I feel like this is more jesse plemons as like oh no he is like the likable everyman and and there's nothing underneath the surface this is um, Jesse Plemons light. This is yes, uh, I agree. Th th Sean, good, good, good way of putting it. This is Jesse Plemons. Well, he's, light. he's just a good guy. He's there to well, there do a job. But I feel like he I've seen him do that. He's just a good guy. But oh, wait, no, he's actually nefariously actually, crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's an astounding story. But look, this is the story of the transition between that era where all you needed to be was very well connected and at the top of the food chain to be able to control everything, right? Mm -hmm. King felt comfortable in that any law enforcement inquiry that might come up, he would know the people who were doing it. And he, he knew the judges. Say, like, he knew no, that. you don't need to pay attention to that. Yeah. These are Osage being murdered. They're going to die anyway. Come on. What, you know, they've got the wasting. There, there's nothing to see here. And that worked for a long time. But it's when this outside entity, this other entity comes in that has no investment Stake. in the local right. social scene of here that like y'all are killing these people. Right. <laughs> and it's just glaringly obvious because they haven't even tried to cover it because they didn't think there was any need to cover right. it because the way the system right. worked was that it was just who you knew and how much money you had. And don't worry about it. If you're well, if you're well enough off, you're going to be able to get away with this. And King was, you to know, what, point. what upsets his plan is that the feds come in. Yeah. Yeah. I trust Scorsese in 2023 to get the story correct. Mm -hmm. I'll say that up front. Sean and I have a mutual friend that we chat with every day uh, who is a big um proponent does a lot of pro bono legal work for native americans mm -hmm. around the country he's even gone all the way to the supreme court and he sent us a thing saying that the osage folks that he trust are saying he got it right yeah. the course says he got it right so that being said the history lessons I, I was especially enamored with the idea of photographers trying to uh, mm. uh, shill for come, come take your photo right. with us. I'm talking about the photographs with the blanket over the back and the yeah, 
And then you see the photographs that are being taken as the family's being disassembled, you right. know, by by this plan. But the Native American imagery in this film is so striking. I was so struck with I I I, I teared up at the funeral scene. Oh my God. Where Molly's mother, yeah. an owl comes in yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and then uh, we see the perspective of the people in the room right. and there is no owl right and she mentions to molly or maybe one of the other daughters who are being picked off systematically during the film yeah sadly that an owl came to visit me which means i'm close to death and then we see her in her deathbed right. in a in a home but then she sees it from the perspective of these native forefathers that yeah. have gone on before her shepherding shepherding, shepherding her, her off into, the, into yeah, yeah. mother mother life, earth yeah, not to right, you know right. it was gorgeous and that's just the first one that leaps to mind there yeah. were dozen, the, the dozen of them minimally that i was like god he did such a good job yeah. he seems to have done such a good job accurately representing this time in our history that i did not realize that i knew nothing about yeah and i mean and and you already said joe the performances here are, are amazing and and certainly you know, the, the usual suspects here, um, De Niro, DiCaprio, they they do their work. But it's amazing, I think, the work that gets done here. Lily Gladstone as Molly, the wife, I think I Absolutely. think the center of this film. Yeah, she's got treasure. Such an amazing and I and I loved her. And the, another one of my favorite directors, right? Kelly Reichert used mm -hmm. her in certain women. I saw Scorsese on Jimmy Kimmel. I watched the interview he did recently yeah. to promote this movie that's he that's play, the film he claims he, as much yeah no you the Reichardt film was delivered to him and he said that's the girl she's amazing in that she's had a few other roles i hope that she keeps getting the kinds of roles that she deserves because her performance in this film was outstanding we have tantu cardinal as as the mother mm -hmm. who we saw in smoke signals yeah the uh you know not that far back when when we did that film we did much younger and 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 doing kind of a youthful role but here is kind of like more of a you know an elder within the community beautiful performance there and that's i mean the contrast between the anglo culture coming in and and trying to sort of take all this from them mm -hmm. and the the osage people and the way that they're depicted and they're sort of like connection to one another and and uh and and life and caring for one another it's a stark contrast and 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 it's an effective one I, I i found that very telling in this film well there's some interesting contrast too because of some of the i was struck by some of the casting of the various people i can't even remember some of the names but obviously there's a lot of people uh jason isbell is bill smith there's a lot of Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys with, and I mean this in a positive way, but interesting faces. And they, 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 they're very, everybody has a very distinctive look, but they all have this sort of undercurrent of, I don't know what, I don't know if it's like dim buffoonery, but there's the, the conversation. It's when Ernest is early in the stages of courting molly uh and they're in her home mm -hmm. and she's looking at him this is lily gladstone her eyes it's you can read she's doing a lot without saying anything where she's saying for instance to, to Ernest, i know you're full of shit i'm just not sure how deep the shit goes yet right you know, and, and i'm still trying to figure this out yeah um i don't know there's something about the the, the people that were cast uh, as sort of some of the I guess like the henchmen or some of the goons that they're hiring 
there's something about it where they, as soon as you see them, like, oh, this is a bad dude. He's he's gonna do. <laughs> he's not he's not gonna be a diamond in the rough. Turn out to be a hero. He's he's gonna do something very very unpleasant here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the performances are just. Uh, I mean, to a person, I'm trying to think too, Joe. You said that at the top of the 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 podcast. I mean, is there anybody that really doesn't hit hit kind of a a, a high note in their performance? I mean, and I, I can't think of anything that goes wrong in this uh, in the in all the performances here. And it's such a like you say, it's such a sprawling cast too. And it should come as no surprise. Martin Scorsese is going to work with some of the best casting agents. They're they're going to be finding and and attracting. And and he's going to have his pick of the litter, right? Martin Scorsese oh, is God. casting a new film. Yes. Oh, right. Please I mean, sign me up. They, they need a they need a well worn character actor. Who yeah. looks, I mean, you have Barry Corbin showing have five up minutes here. Of screen time oh right yeah. Here. You know, you, yeah. you have Jack White showing up wh when he does. Mm -hmm. You have Sturgill Simpson, as you've already noted, you know, Pete Yorn, Charlie Musselwhite. There's a bunch of musicians involved, which is interesting. It great, is, yeah. great score. Now, I will say, though, I will say. Got a negative? The No, not a negative. But I, there, there was a moment where I was a little bit worried right at the beginning as we're launching into that kind of early exposition and we're going into the newsreel where the soundtrack, it was a bit more of like a modern electric yes, blues kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to like this, if it's going to stick with this kind of, now that didn't stay persistent. That kind of, it, it came I, back again and again. It did a little yeah. bit, but I think it was more to kind of set the intensity of mm -hmm. what was going on and to kind of do that. Now the score was done by Robbie Robertson. Notably, this is going to be his last time he gets to collaborate with Scorsese. Scorsese. Right. He, he passed not too long mm -hmm. after uh, the, the, his score was completed for the film. But I think he ultimately he did a great job here. And, and he's weaving in a lot of different, for lack of a better word, Americana references to, you know, blues and folk music that are in there. They're also using some actual early recordings you know that this was the early yeah. recording era you know the 1920s you know fr from that standpoint i think the soundtrack also kind of excelled but it, but it did give me pause initially where i was like oh this this might for this might be a little bit too much yeah oh well i know what you mean david at first i thought that i think this is going to be one of those films where it's going it's definitely going to be you're going to be rewarded from repeat viewing i feel like now because there's two things i was doing trying to figure out where the soundtrack was going at the beginning and then i then i was just trying to figure out who everybody is i'd see somebody who looked familiar and i'm like who is that playing that and it'd be a little <laughs> yeah. distracting i'm like oh it's jack white and so now that i've you know done the imdb thing and heard the soundtrack entirely i i, I feel like you, interestingly enough, I, I mean, I definitely want to go see this again at yes. least once in the theater. Yes. And uh, I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I think this would be a – Joe mentioned The Irishman. My ADHD prevents me from even watching it at home. I haven't <laughs> been able to make it through. I mean, oh, I just – I like seeing movies. Turn it into a miniseries and eat it one well, hour at a time. Yeah. Maybe. But, I, I mean, I would rather – in general, I'd rather see movies in the theater. This is definitely a movie that needs to be seen in the theater. We saw it. We were lucky enough to be front and center at an IMAX showing. I don't think it really, I don't think it's filmed in IMAX or anything like that, but it certainly is nice having the whole screen yeah. uh, or having your whole field of vision filled with the screen. 
you know, it's funny because a lot has been made about, oh, three and a half hours. You know, it's like, oh, do you, I'm sorry, would you, you'd prefer less Martin Scorsese? I mean, is that, is that what you want? You know, like, what, what are you complaining about? Well, I, and I get, I get the endurance, like, listen, I made it through my screening without leaving for the restroom. I dropped a 25 milligram gummy right before it started. It was perfect, dude. I didn't go to the bathroom <laughs> one time. Well, I did. I won't go that far, but I did uh, strategically Kidding. not drink anything substantial before I went sure. to my 10 a.m. screening and waited until I felt comfortably like a good hour or so into the movie before I even had a drink. It worked out OK. Good. I want to draw attention to two more scenes. Number one, there is a scene where he is uh, he or Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is early courting the Osage Molly yeah. Molly and it starts raining outside uh-huh. and mm. she says we need to be quiet for a moment right oh well, well he's the dumb white dude why what gotta be and just just settle down um and then she explains that the rain you know all of those concepts that I actually very much admire from our indigenous people yeah. learning from the earth and worshiping the earth because we have not been told these stories yeah. in a church. Yeah. Going way back, I mean, because there is a Catholic influence in this movie, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Um, they're all go they all go to church, the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. But what she's basically saying is the earth is giving to us the rain required for crops and water to drink, etc. And he can't be quiet. Because yeah, he just he doesn't know this world. Right. And she just pats him on the arm. Just shh, just hush. And they just sit there in silence while the rain is outside. I loved it because I am Leonardo DiCaprio and I can't be quiet. <laughs> and I can't be still. And yeah. it was just so well done. Yeah. The other one was there were two or three scenes all, along the lines of Goodfellas. What am I a clown to you? That are just funny. They're funny oh, yeah. scenes. Yeah. There are two or three drops of just humor in this movie. Right. Including the one where um, Robert De Niro gets Leonardo DiCaprio to hire a guy to shoot a, <laughs> to shoot an uh, Osage man yeah. and make it appear to be a suicide. But the guy that he hires shoots him from behind. <laughs> and De Niro's like, I told you to shoot him in the head. Now it looks like a murder. Why didn't he shoot him in the head? I told him to shoot him in the head. You got to shoot him in the head. And it's just oh yeah, funny. This funny drop of violent humor. Yeah. Tarantino-esque, but it's really Scorsese-esque. No, it's Scorsese-esque. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. My Here's my one negative. Uh -huh. When Brendan Fraser stands up, I just said, there's big Brendan Fraser. And huh. I could not get him out of huh. the character. Interesting. Almost the same with John Lithgow. These are two opposing attorneys yeah. that are, you know, one's the prosecutor, one's the defense attorney. There's no bigger star than Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. So it's not as if I'm, you know, I'm seeing stars in a film, yeah. but those two... It felt like a stunt is, casting yeah. kind of huh. thing, maybe on the heels of the whale. Let me give okay. Brendan Fraser a chance. But the whole time I'm sitting there going, that's Brendan Fraser. I don't know. Well, that didn't bother me. It didn't. It didn't bother me either. And I kind of thought they're both attorneys are supposed to be blowhard. I do declare, you know, that kind yeah. of, yeah. you know, <laughs> just full of shit type attorneys. And, and then you kind of see how when he corrects Ernest later on, like, no, they tortured you. Nothing right, tortured yeah. me. They tortured you, dum-dum. And <laughs> it, I used to feel this way with Jack Nicholson. It's like, oh, here comes Jack Nicholson going to be Jack Nicholson. But when he's good, he's good. 
And if you see The Departed enough times, you're not you don't feel like you're watching Jack Nicholson in a film. You disconnect. I know what you I don't know if that's making sense, but like I know the first time I saw I saw I'm like, oh, that's Brendan Fraser. I haven't seen him a lot of things. He was in The Whale last year. But you just I did the same thing when like, is that Jack White? Yeah, that's Jack White. That's definitely him. Jack White. Really? You didn't, no. you didn't... One of the radio folks? Did okay. not, no. Wow. Oh, shit. We got to talk about that radio scene. We have to talk about Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's they're, another they're... exposition trick. Go ahead, Sean. Did I interrupt you? I do think that at some point, there's the first time when you see something that is undoubtedly going to become a classic, and you're going to see the contemporary references to it in it. But then in 20 years when you see this film – you're not going to have the same reaction to seeing Brendan Fraser. You're going to go, that's that blowhard lawyer that is obviously on the take here. So uh, that that's kind of my point is I think those those will blend in later on uh, after repeat viewing. Because I'm trying to decide if this is going to have that um, – there's a lot of talk about the Goodfellas. You know, if you're going through cable flipping channels – and you see Goodfellas is on. I'm, I'm pretty much locked in. I'm going to watch the rest of this now. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if this is going to have that same. I'm locked in now. I'm going to. I'm going to watch the rest of it. It. It is, in a lot of ways, a darker movie and more. More. I, I find it a lot more upsetting than a lot of uh, Scorsese's other films. But I do think it has a high rewatchability factor. The exposition at the end, where you'll normally see a title card. Ernest was arrested. Right. Robert De Niro spent the rest of his life in jail. Yeah. All of a sudden, it turns into, I guess we forwarded in time a fraction, yeah. a few years. They're, yeah. they're retelling the story, yeah. and that's where you get all the sew-ups of yeah. all the characters. It's jarring for a second, but then it's entertaining as hell. And yes, I did see Jack White, because I can completely see Jack White's face right now. Yeah. He was just in a get-up that doesn't evoke Jack yeah, White on stage. Yeah. But then Martin Scorsese himself steps <laughs> he out. What did y'all think about that? It was the last line of the film. He's looking directly into the camera. It's like, I just showed you a movie that I made, and now I'm going to tell you watching the movie i'm gonna sew it all well, up he, for you he, yeah he he gives us the ending for molly and t- and talks about her you her uh, obituary yeah. and and what was remarked upon in that obituary and how the murders aren't mentioned at all what did you think of martin scorsese himself directly addressing the audience i mean i thought in the context of that scene it made perfect sense i think he was I think a radio had, actor who stepped he, up to the microphone once he had sort of removed us and sort of gave us like well look I, to me, that was sort of this little punctuation mark on the film that's like, well, look, folks, what you've seen is a narrativized depiction of these events. And here's how these actual characters kind of played out the rest of their lives and the sound effects. And the oh, stuff. that was great. It's, it's sort of like mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the postmodern sort of gesture there that like, look. We do these things to like, I, I've been doing things with sound effects and music and performance and blah, 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 to kind of convey this to you. But the bottom line here, folks, is that these people lived and this these people real. died, you know, a lot of them terribly tragic deaths. And even those who survived after it sort of had these, you know, sort of the, the lingering um, aspects of what had gone on. And yet it's forgotten. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and yet right. largely this is sort of relegated. And so like part of me telling you this is to remind you that there is this evil in humanity that we well, don't always recognize. Well, do you mean kind of like 
just as the radio, the, the sound effects don't do justice to tell the story that we just saw in the movie, the movie doesn't do justice. Right. Even then to the real life atrocities right. that happened. Yeah. It's interesting too, that he comes in because I'm assuming that your screenings too, there's this thing that happens now with most movies where the filmmaker or the lead, you know, I'm thinking of, Top Gun Maverick is the first time I saw it where Tom Cruise comes out and says, oh, yeah. thank you for coming to the <laughs> right. theater. Thank you for coming so to the it, theater, yeah. Right, and Martin Scorsese comes out, and so you see him, I'm sure it was filmed at a different time, so he looks a little bit different. I'm like, this is this is him, right, at the end. like I, there was, <laughs> I was almost having, like, I am seeing him at the end of the movie, but I didn't find it jarring, and, you know, he's done things like this. I was thinking about the closing shot in Goodfellas of Joe Pesci shooting point <laughs> shooting at the camera to right. Sid Vicious's version of my way. I mean, it's, yeah, you, you know, there is sort of a breaking the fourth wall thing that he does. Yeah. It, time and time again, did it immediately. So Joe, did you have a different reaction? Cause you, I, 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 I'm struggling with the reaction. It's one of the things that I'll, I'll come to a conclusion to when I go see it again, which I will try tra- drag Savannah to it. Cause uh, I say, Hey, I'm going to go see, uh, <laughs> The new Scorsese film. She knows Scorsese. She's yeah. I've, I've, I'm a good father. <laughs> She's seen good. You're a good fella. Yeah, I'm a good. I'm a good. I'm a good data. So she said, "No, that's three and a half hours." You know. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to drag her because it does just it, the three and a half hours sales. It really mm-hmm. for me. It yeah. Did. I, no, I, 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 I lost myself in that film. It reminds me of the ending of Schindler's List, where all of a sudden the black and white film shifts to color, and now we're at the gravesite of Schindler and all the cast and maybe some of Oscar Schindler's list is there to place rocks on the grave. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I get it. I understand what we're doing. This is a true story. And he's basically saying the same thing. This is a true story that we need to have heard. Yeah. This film is spectacular. Go see it in the theater. It's going to be there for a, the, the appropriate amount of a theatrical release. And then it's going to be available on Apple TV, who financed the film. Right. There is talk in the critic world of it being too long, but I do not agree. Yeah. That when a streaming service is funding your film, meaning they don't care how long the movie is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. then we are in a strange shift with feet on two sides of a um, widening chasm of what is a theatrical and what is a streaming. Yeah. And I felt like seeing this in the theater and not at my home, a la Irishman, was the proper way to go. Is there a longer cut of this film? I feel like I've heard that there was um we know scorsese shot more than he showed us so okay probably i i haven't heard that well and david mentioned you know it has the book has a longer title and the birth of the fbi which is and i think rightly so it's not really covered that much because it's not really this doesn't feel like the fbi's story no those age people's story so i'm glad that it was presented that way but i i could see there being a especially being Apple TV. I know a few years ago, Quentin Tarantino broke uh, up. Hateful um, Eight, yeah. Hateful Eight into a, uh, which actually kind of worked for me, even though I preferred it. Like I said, I'd rather, I, I probably wouldn't just sit down and watch Hateful Eight as a movie again, but as a series, it's a little bit, I don't know, more digestible. I could see there being a lot more content to this 
which I would welcome. I would definitely mm-hmm. want to see. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it is interesting because the book itself does definitely get more into the FBI elements of it. And from what I understand, initially, Scorsese, the way that he was writing the screenplay, the way that he was developing it, it was going to be more focused on that. In fact, DiCaprio was mm. going to be playing the Plemons character. Oh, interesting. And it was going to be more focused on the FBI investigation and that it was only as they were working on it and DiCaprio at least Scorsese gives DiCaprio the credit, kind of said, no, this is more the story of Molly 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 and the Burkhards and and Hale and what's going on and let me play, yeah. The the historical depiction of diabetes in the 20s Mm. was fascinating. Yeah. Because I lost... Just his insulin is coming on. My father, you know, diabetes was his big monster and it was so easy but back then, there were five people in the world that have access to this drug called insulin, this new miracle yeah. drug. So what I need you to do is in her insulin, put a vial of poison. Yeah. Oh, God damn. Yeah. Anyway, it was- well, there's King mentioned something about, oh, that diabetes. You got to watch out for that. And it's just sort of like, what an odd thing to say. Why is this? <laughs> why is yeah. this uh, reference here? And obviously it comes up again later on yeah almost as being like it's this scourge that uh i mean it is both interesting from a medical standpoint because it was i guess that's i didn't know this that's when insulin was first available but also it's sort of being used as the i guess sort of the one of the many reasons that the osage are dying uh at early ages too that everybody has these these issues what a film Yep. Agreed. What, what a film. I, I totally mean, met my expectations. Yeah. Exceeded. Yeah. I mean, der- <laughs> running time uh, concerns aside, I don't, I haven't seen anything negative on this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for good reason. I mean, this is it's gorgeous. Th- this is a smart filmmaker making a film that is depicting a very important historical story mm-hmm. that, that we has been know, swept under don't. the rug otherwise. Yeah. And this is film doing exactly what you want film to do, like illuminating something for people that might otherwise go underrecognized. I think we did it. I think so, too. How was your Kolsch? I know it's one of your favorite styles. It kept me cruising throughout this whole conversation. So I'm I'm a fan. It seems to me that Kolsch, there are some that are better than others. Yeah. But mostly they're kind of all the same. Am I wrong? I mean, I think there's a consistency that people look for. Although, let's correct, let's get the record right here. This isn't a lager. I know. This is a, <laughs> this is ale yeast that's being fermented, in a lager fermented at a lower temperature right. and maintaining a lower temperature. So it produces something closer to what a typical lager does. So you still, there are hints of those fruitier ale yeast elements there, but very tamped down. I overuse the word textbook. It's not a negative. It's just a solid beer. And Real Ale delivers again. How do they deliver to you, Sean? Very well. I'm enjoying kicks. the fresh the fresh kicks. It's everything look at I look bottom, for. Look at the it. bottom of your glass. Do you have uh, debris down there? I've noticed that in the fresh kicks, there's some chunks sometimes. A little spent. Yeah, but I think the glass juice. just wasn't clean ahead of time. Okay. So it's just like some... some no, yeah, uh, no, there's no uh, actually there's no sediment in it. OK, uh, but uh, let me see. Let me get to the bottom of that can. Yeah, you got to get every bit of sediment in there. But no, I enjoy it. It's it's good. Uh, I like a good 
hazy IPA. It delivers. It's not not disappointed in any way. Right. <laughs> we paired two successful things today. Three successful things. Yeah. We had a remote beer as well. Um, here's the best part of. We haven't worked any of this out. Okay. All it's right. our first Patreon first I did do bonus the episode. I'm going to do this. Yeah. But here's the thing the conversation doesn't continue. We are going to combine <laughs> it with the. It doesn't fuck. continue. No. Listen, we've had the best. It's thing. been a long <laughs> the day. The best thing about a half episode yes. of Beer in a Movie, the conversation needs to continue. Is that the conversation absolutely needs to it continue? Must. It has to. And it can continue on lots of different platforms, including Facebook, including Instagram. You can find us on both of those. You can find us on our website, beerinamoviepodcast.com. You'll find some nice curated lists of our episodes, as well as the link for our T Public store, which you can use to find various forms of merch. And you can join our chat on Discord. Please just ask us for an invite. There, we're under the name Beer in a Movie. The conversation continues. We've also mentioned that we will extend this conversation ourselves and our Patreon subscriber-only After Hours bonus episode. And if you would, just please sign up at patreon.com slash podcast. That's how you get that access to that extra special bonus episode, which if you're listening to this now on there, you're already on with us. But if if you're hearing later when we've made it publicly available, hey, you would have had this even earlier. So go you know, check that out. And we know you've been listening on your favorite podcast platform, most likely. But before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? We hope you'll make it five stars so that the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there as an option for more listeners. You've just experienced another upsetting but Scorsese-rific mm. episode of mm-hmm. Beer in a Movie. Until next time. I don't know what you said, but it must have been Indian for Handsome Devil. Thank you.